Rudy Giuliani is an American hero. He has saved countless lives, a true lifetime of service. And today, what happened to him? Totally outrageous, totally ridiculous, almost amusing in a way. That crazy number, $148 million in a defamation case, and he did not defame anybody. He is ultimately going to win. I am privileged, we are privileged, that he will be joining us in just a few moments on this momentous day. But make no mistake, Rudy Giuliani, a hero at a very young age. I think he was 29. He was the third highest ranking guy in the Reagan Justice Department, went on to become U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of New York, international acclaim for his work, rooting out fraudsters on Wall Street, the mafia. He went after the mafia. And of course, September 11, 2001, not only did he lead a city, he led the entire country, especially in the early days when George W. Bush couldn't figure out where he wanted the land. Air Force One. But we're supposed to forget all that and think of Ruby and Shay. Ruby and Shay and accept everything that they say. I'm going to accept everything that they say, actually. I will. And we're going to go through it, and you'll see it doesn't add up to $148 million. No way. It is totally ludicrous, totally surreal what happened. I know Rudy Giuliani ultimately will be victorious. You want to know the the big thing that he did that was so wrong, that they say was so wrong, it's this. Tape earlier in the day of Ruby Freeman and Shay Freeman Moss and one other gentleman, quite obviously surreptitiously passing around USB ports as if they're vials of heroin or cocaine. I mean, it's, our it's, it's obvious to anyone who's a criminal investigator or prosecutor, they are engaged in surreptitious illegal activity again that day. And that's a week ago, and they're still walking around Georgia lying. Okay, that's Rudy Giuliani. That's what he believed. He's a prosecutor. He prosecutes. That's not defamation. It's not. And that's not threatening. He's not threatening them. And Ruby and Shay Freeman, nobody should threaten them. Nobody should threaten them. But they actually, well, is this worth $148 million? Let's get to know uh, Shay. First, uh, the election worker in Atlanta. I was excited always about sending out all the absentee ballots for the elderly, disabled people. Um, I even remember driving to an um, hospital to give someone her absentee application. Um, that's, that's what I love the most. That's beautiful. And somehow, because she's not elected and she's a government worker, we're all supposed to worship her. Listen to how Adam Schiff, during the January 6th hearings, treats her like a child. So you really enjoyed helping people vote and participate, and, uh, and that was something, uh, the right to vote, that your grandmother taught you was precious. Yes. Beautiful. So beautiful. All right. So her name becomes public. And all hell breaks loose because her boss tells her that all hell is breaking loose on a Facebook page that you never check. I told them, um, I, you know, I was like, where, where have they, you know, where have you been getting these threats? I, I don't believe I have any. And um, Mr. Jones told me, like, they're attacking his uh, Facebook and I don't really use Facebook. Well, you got to log on. You got to find it. The boss tells her you got to open up your defunct Facebook and find all the trash people are saying about you. 
I went to the Facebook app, and I'm just kind of panicky at this point because this has never happened to me, and my mom is involved, and I'm like her only child. So I'm just asking him, like, well, where are the messages? All I see is the feeds. Like, how do you get to the messages? And he said, it's another icon on your phone that says Messenger. And I went to that icon, and it was just a lot of horrible things there. See how she has to go out of her way to find this page where they're saying stuff on the page? Hey, welcome to 2023 or 2020, whenever it was. Social media stinks. Lots of bullies out there. I wish it were different, but that's the way life is these days. Next. Those horrible things, that they include threats? Yes, a, a lot of threats. Um, wishing death upon me. Um, telling me that you know, I'm, I'll be in jail with my mother and saying things like, be glad it's 2020 and not 1920. Well, threats of that nature, wishing death, those are illegal and anybody making them should be prosecuted. During the hearings, they actually never showed any threats, but okay, I assume she was threatened. Rudy Giuliani did not threaten her. Keep going. Ms. Moss, how has this experience of being targeted by the former president and his allies affected your life? This turned my life upside down. Um, I no longer give out my business card. I don't transfer calls. I um, don't want anyone knowing my name. I don't want to go anywhere with my mom because she might yell my name out over the grocery aisle or something. I don't go to the grocery store at all. I haven't. Doesn't go to the grocery store. Doesn't go out with her mom anymore. Doesn't transfer calls. I don't even know how to transfer calls. I don't have business cards. This is not $148 million worth of damages, all right? This is, this is nothing. Next. Anywhere. Um at all. I've gained about 60 pounds. I just don't do nothing anymore. I don't want to go anywhere. I second guess everything that I do. Um, it's affecting my life in a, in a major way. You get the sense that she's really reaching, really grasping, huh? I gained 30 pounds over the past three years. I mean, um, I wish I quite frankly, had the option of not working. That would be kind of nice. Apparently, she does. Next. Ms. Moss, I want to thank you for coming in to speak with us and to thank you for your service uh, to our democracy. What we have just played is a truly horrible and appalling sample, but just a sample of the things that were said about you and your mother following the election. I want to say how very sorry I think we all are for what you've gone through, and tragically, you're not alone. Horrible and appalling. Actually, it was vague and nonspecific. They are exploiting somebody in a way. Maybe they're going along with it. I don't know. Out to make this person so sympathetic. The takeaway for me is just pathetic. Just pathetic. But we have to give her $148 million so she can go to the grocery store with her mom, uh, hand out business cards, and transfer phone calls again. It's a sham. Mr. Mayor, Rudy Giuliani, <laughs> that'll be $148 million, please. <laughs> Mr. Mayor. You got I any find... money? You can loan me great. <laughs> uh, 
It seems totally ludicrous. I thought you were terrific after the verdict. What are you thinking right now? Oh, how can you not be so sad for the country? Here I am in the District of Columbia. The first time I came here, I had goosebumps. I'm going to leave here thinking that um, this District of Columbia court is a fascist court. I mean, Judge Howell, I didn't know. Uh, Elise Stefanik today filed this, this uh, a complaint against her for her ethical behavior. I didn't know she had given this speech in which she talked about the January 6th defendants and really about Donald Trump and big lies. And she's also the one who got very upset when the January 6th defendants weren't getting enough uh, sentences as far as she was concerned. And she abraded uh, the uh, prosecutors and said the sentences should be heavier. Mm. That is not a role for a judge. I knew when she was assigned to the case, I knew we were dead. I didn't realize we were that dead. Do you realize that I never got a chance to put in a single bit of evidence in defense? My liability was based on the fact that I didn't completely comply with discovery. And I turned over thousands of documents. And I sat for a deposition and did not take the Fifth Amendment. Let me ask you, what at were most, you... What, most, what, there should have been sanctions. What discovery... <laughs> it is wild because it's not what people think it is, uh, what happened today. What part of discovery did they say you did not comply with if you turned over all those documents? What part of the discovery? The, the financial status of my present companies, which uh, might have to do with whether I can afford the $148 million, which I can't, but it has nothing to do with whether I'm right or they're right. A lot more important would be all the videos at the time that all your visit, uh, viewers have seen. Yeah. The jurors never got to see those videos. We never looked at what happened at the arena. Well, there's a they reason why. The judge, they were told by the judge that because of her ruling, Giuliani lied. Giuliani never got a chance to say, gee, would you like to take a look at what I saw? And how about an independent decision on whether I lied or not? That hey, never Mr. Mayor, happened. Ruby Freeman, I don't know if you caught this during the January 6th hearings. She said something that I, I actually just noticed today. This is Lady Ruby, excuse me, Lady Ruby. Uh, here she is talking about just prior to a January 6th and a visit she got from the FBI. Your conversation with the FBI about needing to leave your home for your, your own safety or perhaps recommending it. Um, do you remember, was there a specific threat that prompted that or was it the accumulation of, of threats that you had received? What prompted it was, um, was getting ready to January 6th was about to come. The FBI told her to get out of her house because January 6th was about to happen. Um, this is the same FBI, you know, Lisa Strzok, Page, Lisa Page and Peter Strzok were talking about not letting Trump win. Do you find that suspicious that the FBI said January 6th is coming, so we have to move you? Did you know that? Sure, but I couldn't, I shouldn't, yes, and I couldn't put that in evidence as well as other tape-recorded conversations and uh, some videos that I think your viewers have seen, and I'm sure in the future we'll see, 
but the jurors never saw those. The jurors never saw a single defense from uh, Giuliani. So I don't blame the jurors, except the money is ridiculous. The amount of money they awarded is absurd. Uh, it's, uh, it, it probably, the money reflects the absurdity of the way the judge conducted the trial. Also, the lawyers here were Biden lawyers. These women could not have afforded these lawyers. Is it a coincidence that the chief lawyer worked with Hunter Biden and represented the crooked Burisma? That's I mean, uh, Mr. Who's Mr. the Go guy who Who's the guy who revealed that? Who? Me. And his why name do you, is. Uh, why do you think they're coming after me? Because if it wasn't for me, nobody would know about Joe Biden. And let me ask you this. Me for years. You said something very, I thought, generous and appropriate after the verdict today uh, to the press that were assembled. I don't know if you remember, but here, here's the question and your answer. Do you have any work. regrets about some of the comments that the women received? Well, of course, the comments they received, I had nothing to do with. Those comments are abominable, they're deplorable. No uh, defense to it, but I receive comments like that every day. Uh, different kinds of things. Uh, I've represented clients who have gotten that from the other side. This is a terrible part of our political system. Republicans, Democrats, liberals, and conservatives all get that. Uh, my comments weren't that. And I think that was also a very unfair part of it because my comments had no connection at all to those. There were thousands of things on the pre in the press about this, of which mine were a small amount. There's no way to say that my comments connected to that, but that's going to be part of what we'll get to litigate in a fair court. Thank you. It's a fascinating distinction. And they were complaining about all yeah. the threats, although they weren't that yeah, specific with a, about the threats. With an evenly, with an evenly uh, par partially fair judge, just a little bit of fairness left in her, she would have ruled those uh, comments out as unduly prejudicial without sufficient connection. I know that. I've tried many, many cases, very important ones. And that is a ruling that uh, a fair judge down the middle, not one who is obsessed with Donald Trump, uh, would, uh, would do. And her background, and if you take a look at her handling of the January 6th cases, indicates we have a judge here who um, has, a pro has a problem. There's something and else. the trial that I received is absurd. It's not a trial. I, I never had a trial. I never so, had a trial. There's a fundamental misunderstanding about that video that purports to show Shea Moss and Ruby Freeman or Free, um, that you were the one who released that. And actually, Adam Schiff has perpetuated that false information. Take a look at this. Right. I didn't really. Well, I know the events that we're here to talk about today are incredibly difficult to relive. Your proud service as an election worker took a dramatic turn on the day that Rudy Giuliani publicized a video of you and your mother counting ballots on election night. So and that's not the only time they said that, that you released the video. Actually, I have these two individuals, and let's take a look at that. These are the ones who publicly aired that video for the first time. So it's going to be tough because I'm going to have to depart from the microphone and point out sure, some fine. things at times. You're looking at one big room here. There are two individuals in Atlanta, uh, and I don't know who they are, but they're not you, <laughs> and they seem to be from Atlanta. One is an attorney, a female, and they're the ones who presented that video. That, they're the ones who made that public, correct? Correct. Jackie Pick 
and, uh, and Mr. Smith. Uh, I've forgotten his first name, but Jackie, Jackie Smith, uh, Pick is the one who presented it, who found it and presented it. And I saw it for the first time when the general public saw it. And doesn't that, shouldn't that take the heat off of you? I mean, shouldn't that, that, that to me is something that the jury may have responded to. But again, it's interesting. You don't blame the jury here because they weren't able to see the evidence you wanted to present. You know that. Your audience knows that. That was kept from the jury by this judge. How do you feel about Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss tonight? And I know uh, you said some stuff about them earlier in the week. The judge gave, them, gave you a hard time. What do you think of them? What are you prepared to say about them right now, if anything? I'm not going to say anything about them because it's way beyond them. This is, this is way beyond them. And my uh, uh, desire to move on with this case is really to save the republic. Uh, tri trials like this do not happen in a country that's ruled by law. Trials like this happen in a country that's ruled by a regime, which is what the Biden machine is. It's a regime. And this is not the only uh, desecration of justice in this regime. It's one of many. You know, and it has to stop. It has to stop. Do you think the, the big number here and how you've been treated is a warning to Americans in general, do not mess with the regime because you like the others who have been jailed or persecuted or prosecuted? Is this the mess? Are we the real target here of what happened today, the people? Sure. When, from the day I first revealed his criminality, and they wrote letters to the press saying to keep me off the press, they have been very aware of the fact that I'm one of their prime protagonists and one of the most effective ones. After all, if it wasn't for me, that never would have been revealed. And the hard drive never would have come out because Barr and Ray were ready to hide it forever. So uh, who, who, who's a better target other than Donald Trump than me? And if you can get me, you frighten the living daylights out of a lot of other people from doing the same thing. And I know that because it's hard to get cooperation. Okay. What are, your, what are your immediate next steps? Well, I can't tell you right now because we're uh, we're animal. Well, we're going to appeal, of course, but there may be a few. We've got to see exactly what the judge does in terms of. I mean, uh, the defense would love to have her issue orders that would silence me completely. Uh, more important than even getting the case affirmed or reversed or whatever, they want to shut me up. So today they were talking about like orders that they'd like to get that would tell me that I can't discuss with you uh, the, the facts and details of either what these women did or other people did, even though I'm the person in the best position to know about it. So that takes away from Donald Trump an extraordinarily important uh, not only piece of evidence, but a person with a, maybe the biggest 360-degree view of this thing. That's Mayor what they're Julie. trying to do. They're trying to shut, I mean, to put it simply, they're trying to shut me up as if we were a Nazi Germany. Well, it's not going to work. Mayor Giuliani, I saw you on 9-11. I know what you're made of. And <laughs> you are going to uh, be victorious and you will be restored. I oh, know. I'm on the right side. I've got no doubt about it. I know you are. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Stay in touch. Good luck. And we'll be right back.
I'm glad that they're talking about January 6th in a way that has not been discussed by basically anybody but me, Tucker, and this guy. Now we come to January 6th. The reality is we know that there were federal law enforcement agents in that field. We don't know how many. I think it's Mr. shameful, Ramos, if, if I may finish just answering well, let me this, just, is, this is I, really I'm gonna, important. I'm going to go ahead and interrupt you here because, because you're saying that there were federal agents. You're saying that there were federal agents. You're saying that there were federal agents. This is important to talk about. You are saying there were federal agents in the crowd on, on, yes. on January 6th. Yep. There is no evidence that there were federal agents in the crowd on January so, 6th. So why, before Congress, when pressed on what the number was, they didn't say there were none. They just couldn't so say there how many there were. So you're saying that there's no, that you have not seen ev- any evidence so that we've there seen were, multiple, and so you We've seen multiple informants suggesting that there were. We know people were, we know people were FBI informants who were asking Is there them. any evidence? May I, may I just, may I just there, finish let me, this well, and let you me, can come back let and question me. But let me clarify. I know it's very uncomfortable for you. I'm going to... Cl- the woman in red, does she want to run for president herself? I mean, <laughs> the journalists used to go into journalism because they were curious. They did not have all the answers. Now you're supposed to have all the answers. Uh, it's amazing what happened there. And then after the show, after the Vivek Ramaswamy big town hall, the very first thing they do when they come out is, it's a conspiracy theory, and they're going to correct, correct the matter. Part of that closing message was pushing a conspiracy theory about January 6th. Mr. Ramaswamy says that January 6th was an inside job. That's a claim that he first made at a debate recently. It was not. Make no doubt about it. There is no evidence that what he is saying is true. To the contrary, the FBI director, uh, Christopher Wray, has said it's completely wrong. Is elevating a January 6th conspiracy theory the way to win over those voters? No, I don't think so. I, no, I don't think, I don't think so. We're just going to go with the same party line that the swamp uh, told us to go with. That one guy said, well, the FBI director said nothing happened, so therefore nothing happened. What the hell kind of system, I'm sorry, is this? A lot of weird things happened on January 6th, and yet they won't even let you ask the questions, huh? Like, why were the cops just standing there? Well, who was the little cop who was waving everybody on? Why did this happen? Step right up! The Capitol uh, riot is this way? What the heck is going on? What about the O's officers who just stood there as everybody came in? Oh, well, they were trying to defuse the situation. Shut up with that. Nobody has addressed this. Nobody has given any adequate answers. And Ashley Babbitt, is that somehow okay? You know, Liz Cheney recently wrote that these three officers were forced out of that position. They just decided to take a coffee break. Look at them go. And then all hell breaks loose, and moments from now, Ashley Babbitt is going to be shot. I applaud any candidate, or any person for that matter, who will not give up on asking these questions about January 6th. There is so much more that we do not know. And Speaker Johnson should get with it with those tapes. I'll be right back. President Donald J. Trump! Well, we've seen it a million times, a Donald Trump rally, but each time it's awesome, in my opinion. When he comes out, what he says, and that theme music, that wonderful song, God Bless the USA. Listen. Of course, it's by iconic singer Lee Greenwood. 
And uh, Lee Greenwood, successful singer-songwriter for a very long time, and now in some ways he's kind of synonymous with President Trump. Is that fair to say? He has something new out. It's not a song. It's actually, well, the Holy Bible. Um, God bless the USA Bible. Now, this is the traditional uh, King James translation, but Lee Greenwood is involved in, in promoting this and getting the word out. And Lee Greenwood, we are privileged and grateful that you're with us here tonight. How are you, sir? I'm terrific. Thank you. Nice to talk to you. And, and that, that song sounded very familiar. Uh, <laughs> as much as I've sang it several times for President Trump and uh, for 10 different presidents, as a matter of fact, over the past 40 years. This president has kind of latched on to it, and we, the viewers, the voters, have latched on to it in a certain way with President Trump, unlike the other presidents. I do remember it during the Gulf War and things like that. Um, have you ever asked President Trump, why me and why this song and why, why the way you do it? No, uh, I really like uh, President Trump. As a matter of fact, my wife worked for him for 21 years when he owned Miss Universe because she's a former uh, pageant winner, Miss Tennessee USA, and also an executive director for three states. So there's some, some synergy there. But I, upon meeting President Trump, I, I was you know, just thrilled that he's such a nice guy. Uh, and when we talked about uh, him running for the presidency and he sold Miss Universe, uh, there was some distance uh, in our relationship for a while, but when he started using my song on stage, I'm a, I was thrilled. Like, this is pretty cool, and I want to make America great just like he does, so go ahead. Uh, you know, sometimes artists, and it's great, you know, your wife worked for him and stuff, but some artists out there, they get very touchy. Oh, if it's President Trump, or if I disagree with you, I don't want you using my music. Artists sometimes say that. Um, I guess they have that right. How do you feel about that? Well, I guess it would depend on who asked to use my song. I mean, I was never asked, to tell you the truth. I guess I could have called the White House and said, you know, uh, maybe I should uh, deny this or say, yeah, you can. And I guess if it was the current administration, I'd probably say no, uh, oddly enough, uh, because I'm a conservative. So there you go. Maybe that's the answer. Lee Greenwood, God bless the USA Bible. Again, it's the traditional King James translation. Uh, Tell us a little bit about how this came about and your journey as a Christian, if you don't mind. Yeah, happy to. I, when I was uh, raised in Sacramento, California by my grandparents, um, I visited the First Baptist Church there, and I, I can remember the first time I ever sang a holy night, I think I was 14, scared to death, and uh, full of fire and brimstone from the pastor, so I'm like, eh, this, this is the way my music is going to go, you know, but... I ended up going to Vegas, spending 20 years there. I was a fan of Elvis, who, by the way, was very reverent. And he did the trilogy, always to close his show. I was working in the same hotel with him uh, before I had my own career. I moved to Nashville, Tennessee, and lo and behold, uh, I have a, a hit career. And then after three or four years, I decided to sit down and write this song, God Bless You, say 40 years ago. And I was touring on my bus somewhere between Arkansas and Texas. and. The song became more than I thought it would because USA was just going to be a cut on an album. The album was called You've Got a Good Love Coming, and we filmed the video at the London train station. We have $25,000 in it, and I was determined to release that particular video because uh, CMT was looking for videos all the time at that point. 
But Universal is the one who stepped in and said, I think we want God Bless the USA, whether politically motivated or not. I was thrilled because it was the only song I'd written on that album. And I said, okay, we'll go with that. But then when I put it in front of the public and our shows, it became something bigger. Um, we knew we'd hit the target because people just cherished it, but it didn't last long. It was about number 11, I think, on the charts when it peaked around the 4th of July in 1984. And then it became sort of more a military anthem. Um, and that was cool for me because we'd done like 16 USO tours. And then, of course, after the Gulf War, it became more of that. And then the terrorist attack on America, it became America's anthem to get up off our knees. And I toured the country with Barbara Bush uh, for two years, just kind of bring everything back to what we thought was a, some form of normal. And, and when you talk about my Christian faith and my beginnings, from the First Baptist Church in North Sacramento to where we are now, well, I married the most beautiful woman, my wife, Kim, and we've been married 31 years. And her family was devout Christian, and they brought me back to the Lord. And so when we have our gatherings at home with our own family, and we say a prayer before our meal or in the morning before we start our day, we have a Bible sitting on our coffee table that most people come in and kind of thumb through because it's our family tree. And one day somebody was asking me about, you know, it's funny that America started with the Bible and we don't hear a lot about it now. And I got to thinking, America started, wait a minute, America started with its constitution and declaration of independence. And then later on the Bill of Rights and then later the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag of the United States. Why don't we put those two together and have what we believe is a Christian nation, a Bible, and those documents together. And that's what formed our opinion to come up with this beautiful leather-bound God Bless the USA Bible. Is LeeGreenwood.com the best way to get one? It's perfect to go there and do that. And uh, click on the tab. You'll find it easily accessible, LeeGreenwood.com, and then God Bless the USA Bible. Well, as we go into 2024... To be honest, over the past six years, I'd say about half of it I spent reading the Bible every day. Half of it. And um, those are the best three years of the past six years. It's amazing what happens when you actually get into the Word. And I vow to do so uh, in 2024. It's, um, it's an amazing journey, and I had never gone on it before. Last thing, you meet Christians like that all the time, or at least I do. Hey, I was one. I never really looked or studied the word. I just kind of, you know, generally went along with it. And um, But when you get in there, in my opinion, actually, I know this, miracles happen. Does that make sense, Lee Greenwood? Oh, absolutely. The teachings of Jesus are universal. And my favorite psalm, which is 32, uh, is about forgiveness. You know, and with the war in the Ukraine and now Hamas attacking Israel, I feel bad for the Palestinians as well as the Israelis. Um, those terrorist groups are basically just trying to destroy and, and take out a nation. So we need faith more than ever and to pray for those who are struggling and, and trying to survive. And here during this particular holiday season for us, uh, the reason for the season, you got to remember, is Jesus Christ. We wouldn't have a Christmas if it wasn't for Christ. So a very happy Thanksgiving to everyone and to you and your staff there at Newsmax. Thank you very much, Lee Greenwood. What a gift. What a gift you gave us and are giving us. LeeGreenwood.com, everybody. Thank you, sir. Thank you. We'll be right back.
totally insane, totally unfair. Uh, but you know what? The details, I think, will be lost on most people. The message, don't talk about the election. That's what they want people to come away with. Rudy Giuliani holding his head high after this ludicrous um, verdict came down. He is confident it will be tossed out very, very quickly on appeal. I think he's right. I think he's right. I'd like to bring in two pros, though. Peter Navarro, former Trump White House trade advisor and all-around genius, and Bernie Carrick, the former police commissioner, very close associate of Rudy Giuliani and President Trump. Uh, gentlemen, welcome. Uh, you know, we just heard from the mayor a little while ago. Uh, but Bernie, I tell you what, uh, <laughs> my heart breaks, but at the same time, I know he's going to win. What are you thinking tonight in the wake of this ludicrous verdict? I think there's a couple things, Greg. One, I, I think every American should realize you don't have the constitutional rights you think you have if you don't have the money to pay for them, right? So, And that's what they've done. They've tried to bankrupt the mayor. Uh, from the beginning. And and everyone, everybody that supported the president was working for the president. And there's nobody better than Peter Navarro. He's, he's sitting there. He's another guy that was targeted by the Biden administration. They, they, they I mean, it's, it's insane what they're doing. This, this is a judge that has annihilated January 6th defendants. Um, it's a judge that refused to let him defend himself in court. He refused to let him put on three hours of videotape to produce um, affidavits uh, of, of witnesses um, to speak himself. Um, this, this is a farce. And that number, the 143, 48 million, that's a complete joke. I actually got a call from somebody in Israel about an hour ago. And they said, you guys look like a joke to the international world tonight for what they've done to Giuliani. Hmm. You know, uh, again, the judge did do some very strange things that I don't think people understand. She found him liable for failure to provide financial discovery that should have actually come out during the trial or after the trial. Uh, it's, this is not as cut and dried as people think by a long shot what happened today. And I think he's on actually very well. Anyway, Peter, what are you thinking tonight? Well, the big picture here, Greg, is lawfare. Lawfare. It's, it's a form of warfare in economics where the Democrats have really mastered this art. Their goal since Donald Trump left office is to go after him and every one of his associates in a way which either puts us in prison. And by the way, I'm to be sentenced for a possible prison term in January as the only senior White House advisor to ever be charged with the alleged crime, despite the Department of Justice having a policy against charging me. But that's another story. But every one of us, even if we're not facing prison, is facing massive legal bills. My legal bill alone right now is over half a million. It's going to go over a million. I'm not exactly a rich guy. Jeff Clark. Uh, you look at John Eastman, they're take, trying to take away their lawyer's card so they can't make money, and they're having to pay legal fees. This is, um, I, I, I agree with Bernie wholeheartedly, that we look not like a joke to the rest of the world, but we look like Pakistan or Brazil or some banana republic where the justice system is used to quell 
political opponents. Yeah. And nobody, look, they look at Trump in New York. They're trying to take his entire fortune away on a bogus legal theory. So this is very dangerous for our country. Very, Meanwhile, very dangerous, Greg. They call him the authoritarian. He wants to be an authoritarian. Yeah. They're already doing the authoritarian I, I stuff. Can we take a look at Hunter this week, oh, by the way, when he wrapped up that very pompous appearance outside the Capitol? Republicans do not want an open process where Americans can see their tactics, expose their baseless inquiry, or hear what I have to say. What are they afraid of? I'm here. I'm ready. And then he goes off in defiance of the subpoena. And that's the thing you're in trouble for, uh, <laughs> Mr. Navarro. And uh, it's kind of crazy. Um, Here's what's interesting about this, Greg. It's like when the Democrats held the J6 committee hearings, they were not only all held behind closed doors, but you couldn't get any of the videotapes or audio tapes or anything from them. They cherry picked from, from certain witnesses what they wanted to spin to the world. And oh, guess what? They cleansed all of that information now out. So Hunter, it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> Those were the rules the Democrats set. And by the way, when you go to a deposition, that's not like a public hearing testimony. It's it's a deposition. Yeah, it's different. And so, Peter, I got to get the last word to uh, Commissioner Carrick. Yeah, uh, Commissioner, if you don't mind, there is a Hunter Biden angle, in a way, to the uh, to the Rudy Giuliani defamation matter. Right. Oh yeah. Listen, I I, I got to tell you, I was uh, honestly, I was shocked, Greg. Uh, I went for a deposition in the Giuliani case, um, and I went down to Washington, D.C. I walked in a room, and there was uh, one, two, three, four, maybe five attorneys for these two women. But one of the attorneys, the lead attorney in that case, Gottlieb, his name is, the lead attorney was the former attorney for Hunter Biden in Burisma. And I, I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at these guys. Who's paying? Who's paying for three, five, six thousand dollars an hour type attorneys? Who's paying for that for these two women who are probably making forty thousand a year each? Who's paying for that? That is something else. Gottlieb, you say his name is. Wow. Well, look, gentlemen, to be continued, uh, this is not over, and I do think Rudy ultimately will be totally vindicated and restored. Uh, may take a while, but it's going to happen. Peter Navarro, Bernie Carrick, thank you. We'll be right back. Wow. Hardly anybody likes Joe. Well, 33% of the country does. Uh, latest poll from Pew Research. Uh, probably has something to do with, uh, I don't know, blowing off the border, uh, losing in Afghanistan, an economy all over the place. And uh, I don't think throwing on that weirdo show at the White House helped any. What was this thing all about? Uh, nobody gets it. At times, it looked, well, well, this is the traditional part. And once they go into another room at the end of the hall, 
Quite frankly, it gets uh, vaguely sexual, and I don't know what's going on. Um, <laughs> now, it's the Dorrance, Dorrance, like Torrance, California, but it's Dorrance, the Dorrance Dance Group. And I figure I'd go to their website and find out, I don't know, how to take tap dancing lessons or something. It's got all this stuff about abolish prison, abolish police. <laughs> so I think this had maybe something to do with why they were chosen to dance around the White House. Doesn't tell me, though, what was going on with the bunny ears lady and the stuff that really kind of gave me, uh, I don't know, some sort of avant-garde movie a la Stanley Kubrick, uh, eyes wide shut. Something strange was going on there. Not suitable for children. Why can't they do it, well, like they used to do it at the White House? Take a look at this old-timey photo. Who is that? I think that's Betty Ford. I think that's Betty Ford. It's not Trisha Nixon. That's Betty Ford. Someone's telling me it's Trisha Nixon. I think it's Betty Ford. Betty Ford was, uh, was one heck of a lady. Remember the Betty Ford Center, which I think still exists? Now, this is... Uh, is that Rosalind Carter? No, it's Betty Ford again. Anyway, stick to Santa. Stick to the classics. And um, Joe's still going to do terrible <laughs> and will not be the nominee. I'm sticking by my prediction. I'll be right back. Yeah, sorry. That was uh, that was Patricia Nixon, not not uh, Mrs. Ford. Patricia Nixon, Pat Nixon, very smart, slightly older than her husband. That doesn't always happen in the presidential uh, couples. Pat Nixon. All right, we have a big rally tomorrow. The Trump uh, rally carried here live on Newsmax at one o'clock. It's at the University of New Hampshire, and uh, one o'clock Eastern time. Check it out. And uh, many thanks. Hope you had a great week. Have a great weekend. I'll be back here on Monday. All the best.